This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. I just want to quickly recap in Genesis uh, our text uh, last week. We kind of ended with this Genesis 17, 1 through 3. Abram was 99 years old. So I'm going to show 99. This is pretty old. <laughs> when the Lord appeared to him again and said, I am God all powerful. If you obey me and always do right, I'll keep my solemn promise to you and give you more descendants than can be counted. And the Bible says that Abram bowed his face to the ground and fell down and worshiped God. And this is what we said. For 13 years, God had not spoken to him. Now, I know we're a new covenant, not old covenant. And, you know, the relationship there, we now have the spirit within. Amen. How many know that we can commune with the spirit of God every day? Okay, so, but just reading from this text, just from a history standpoint, and some things uh, that, that I find that are, that are interesting in our walk with the Lord. He walked for 13 years, Abram did. He stumbled around in his own efforts to accomplish God's purpose and tried to make things happen. He made mistakes. After, this is Abraham now. Mistakes after mistakes, one right after another. And, and here's the thing. Through all of that, God said nothing said nothing to him. Nothing. And I, we, we, we pulled this up last week. I, I think this is very powerful. The real test of faith is, can you walk with God when he says nothing at all? Wow. Can you walk with God when he says nothing at all? We can for a while. How many know when you get a word from the Lord, it excites you, you move forward, you have purpose and vision, you reignite it, and now you have clarity on what you should do? I didn't know I was supposed to buy this or sell that or, or you know, we were supposed to build this or we were supposed to do that. And, and we just have this assurance and we, we just felt God say, yes, do that. And we were confident in that. And then you don't hear for a while. How, how do we respond? Can we walk with God when he says nothing at all? Or in other words, how do we stay in faith when God is silent? God is silent. I mean, how do we continue to believe him? Even though when you see Outwardly, it doesn't seem in the natural things are changing. And how do you keep hoping for change when it's change when it seems like everything is just lost and it's just I'm praying, it doesn't seem like nothing is happening. Are you out there this morning? Believing when you're not seizing, seeing, excuse me, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Uh, I just wrote this down, a number of translations. It says, Faith is the substance. Somebody shout substance. So there's substance. When we talk about faith, sometimes people think faith is just something like Indiana Jones. Remember the scene where he's supposed to walk across the chasm, right? And he's supposed to step out onto nothing. But then we see that there's something that there's there. There's substance to faith. There's something that is actually that that's there that the Bible's talking about. Substance. It, one translation says assurance, confidence. Faith is the reality. Faith makes us sure of what we hope for. Actually, one translation says to be certain of the things we cannot see. That's where faith resides. That's where faith is born. Um, I remember at times there was a season years or decades or so ago where, and some people still do it now, it's a lot on the internet, where they show you a picture 
and it's like a 3D picture, and it's all this painting and whatever, and you look at it, and it's like, I don't know what that is. But if you stare at it long enough, all of a sudden, a woman's face appears, right? Or a little child, or an animal. It's like, oh, that's right, I see it. And what I can't stand is some people look at it and go, oh, yeah, I see it, it's a dog in there. I'm like, what are they looking at? <laughs> Where's the dog at, the folk? And sometimes I just can't see it. And, 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 and so, so there are times, you know, God has given each of you the measure of faith. Every single believer, come on, let's say this with me, because I think i got to wake some of you up here this morning. Say this, say, I have a measure of faith. And so this question is, is what are you doing developing that measure of faith? Amen, Pastor Mike. <laughs> this hunting weekend, cold day, I'm glad I came to church. Amen. Faith is the substance, the substance. You know, uh, let me just in a very natural, practical sense, and to me, to me, in this moment, when I share this illustration, spoke and, and helped me develop faith. And, and I have a ways to go. I haven't arrived. And uh, there, it seems like each milestone in faith, the chasm gets wider. How many know what I mean? The steps are bigger. And, and the, you know, you go from... Um, uh, small things to bigger things and you grow in your faith. I remember there was a kid that had this car and it was an older, it was like in the 19, uh, uh, late, it was like 89, early 90s. It was a Cadillac and it was just a, an older version of Cadillac. And it had a decent amount of miles on it. It wasn't a tremendous lot. It was in pretty good shape. It wasn't tore up, but there were some, some small things, window things didn't open, whatever. And, and he had it for school for a couple of years. In California, drove back. He wanted to get rid of it, and everyone said they're not going to give him anything for it. So he's going to bring it to the salvage yard for 500 bucks. okay? And so at that time, we had a van that had 300,000 miles on it. <laughs> and it was still going while the head gasket blew. And without getting deep into all mechanics, because I know you really love that. But, but uh, I was like, knowing me, I was like, I'm going to pull this thing apart and do this, and I'm going to fix this. And I didn't even have a garage or anything. And, uh, but we needed about $1,000 to do that. And I didn't have that. I didn't have that. And so I was praying. I said, Lord, I, I need to, to, to do this. We need this. We need a transportation. We need a vehicle. And I don't have this money, but we need to fix the one we have. And, 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 and so... Um, Anyhow, so we scraped together uh, some, some cash, and this kid, he said, you know what, the junkyard's going to give me 500 bucks, and, and, and uh, uh, would, you, you, you know, would you be willing to buy it? And I said, you know what, I will. I'll buy this car. And, and so we scraped together what little we had, and, and we bought it for $500. But immediately, before I even purchased it, I knew that there was value in that car. And, you know, it served him well in his purpose, but I bought that car and I put a little bit into it, fixed some things in the door, fixed all the windows, whatever, put it in the paper and sold it for 2,500 bucks. I had my $1,000, amen, and rebuilt my engine. But you see, if you were to come up to me and you were to ask me at that time with the car, now this is really small practical stuff, and we're not just talking human reasoning. People do this all the time with sales. We're not talking about that. But I needed, to, I was asking the Lord for a breakthrough. Come on now. I needed certain money for a way, and I believe God revealed to me and enlightened to me, and he just showed me, and, in the, and it's almost like the whole thing unfolded before me. I knew exactly what was going to happen, and I knew I could list it for this, and I knew I could get this amount of money for it. How many hear what I'm saying? Okay? See, so in, in a sense, in a small sense, real natural, that's the seeds of faith, and, and so I was able to do that, but if you'd asked me that this thing ain't worth anything, wouldn't it change my mind? I was confident. I know 
This has value. There's something unique about this, the style. Someone wants it. The person that bought it was a wife who was saying, I've been looking. This is amazing. This is the truth. I've been to pulpit telling the truth, okay? She had to, yes. She came up and she said, I've been looking for this exact year in this exact model car. I have saved five or $8,000 to restore it, and I've been looking for this one because this is the car my husband and I, we were married, we drove, and I want to give it to him for his, our 30th or 40th, whatever, wedding anniversary. Boom, paid the cash right there. I went, thank you. God bless you. That car blessed you. And she restored it for her husband. See, how many know that God knows? all things. Amen? And so faith, he wants to stir within you faith. A lot of times, and I, and I can fall into this, we just raise our hands like, Lord, just do something. Amen? And he's wanting you to do something. Amen? Oh, just, come, will you just change this? And he's looking for you to be a part in that, to release faith. Can I get an amen? Believing when you're not seeing. You know, how many of you know if you see something, that doesn't take much faith? Isn't that right? I mean, the test comes when you can't see any sign of what you're believing for. And, you know, the Bible says, and we, we kind of talked about this uh, last week, that when a mother eagle is going to have a baby eaglet, she lays on that egg for 35 days. She has to sit on that egg, keeping it 95.5 degrees to 100 degrees, that temperature constantly for those 35 days. And we said this, she never feels that baby eaglet kick. Right? That egg doesn't really get much bigger anywhere from two to four inches or whatever, you know. It never grows any larger. There's no sign that it's, you know, that she can peek inside there to see that it's alive. Come on now. She just gets on something in her DNA that God built said, sit on this. Even when you see nothing going on, sit on this promise. Can I get an amen? Sit on this, what God said to you. Keep sitting on this, even though it doesn't seem like anything's happening. Keep that promise warm. Amen? And there's something there. I believe there's, there's a lesson for us to learn. You know, she could think that, you know what? Hey, if it was alive, at least it would move a little bit. And she doesn't feel any movement or anything. There's no kicking. And, and then all of a sudden, 35th day, bam, that eaglet, that, she, you know, that, that one male or female breaks out and, and hatches into a healthy little baby eagle. You know, um, Think about it. Think about the faith that it takes for that mother eagle to sit on that egg that seems dead. It seems like there's no life. Amen? You know, unlike a person, when, when a woman is going to have a baby, uh, we all have these signs. Isn't that right, ladies? Amen? Those of you who have had children... With, there's all these signs. I mean, we have these signs. Their, their stomach gets bigger, and their feet may swell, and their backs may get hurt. Some get meaner. No, I don't mean that. They, they, I mean, they may have morning sickness. Amen. The womb begins to grow over time. It's obvious. You can see, and others can see, that baby is developing. Isn't that right? You can see it. And, and when Rhonda was pregnant with our three kids, and uh, especially, you know, the, last, the second and third trimester and the baby's growing. I, we never kind of wondered and said, you know, I wonder if that baby's growing in there. Or I wonder if that, you know, baby's alive and boom, a foot would come out. You know, it's like, whoa, something's going on in there and something's growing, amen? And, and, and so, so we never had to wonder why because we could see it. How many with me say amen? <clears throat> now watch this. If God brought promises to pass like a person given birth, it would be no problem to stay in faith. Come on, can I get an amen? It would be easy to thank him that it was on the way. 
it would be easy to sink him that it was on the way. Isn't that right? But here's the thing. Most of the time, now watch this. It won't be like a person. It'll be like an eagle. Our faith. Did you, did you hear that? It won't be. I see it. It's growing. Woo, glory to God's going to happen. It's, oh, no. It doesn't seem like this is going to come to pass. I, I, I just got to keep sitting on your promise, God, and trust that your word is true. So shall your word go forth. It shall not return void, but it shall accomplish when it was sent, and it shall prosper. Come on, are you awake this morning? Hopefully we can wake you up a little more. So, in other words, you're going to have to believe something is happening even when you can't see any sign of it. You can't see the sign. And so what does it mean? We have to sit on the promise. Somebody shall promise. That's what we're talking about. We're not just having empty hope here and, and just kind of, I think, or maybe we're trusting in God's promise that he's spoken with us. And, you know, if I picked up the phone and called my kids or if I talked to my kids and, and I have to be careful about this as a dad, you know, how many of you know that parents, we want to rescue our kids from everything? We can't do that as parents. Come, oh, come on now, amen? I mean, especially baby boomers, you know, they're my generation. We want to, we, here's, here's the shout of baby boomers, ready? We want to give our kids everything we didn't have. Amen? My dad never had socks when he grew up. He used to fight with eight kids in upstate New York. And so he used to fight for the socks. Just eight kids just trying to, the few pairs of socks that they had. When we grew up, there were socks out my eyeball. I mean, my dad bought socks. I think I became colorblind because on Sunday, they would bring in a dry cleaner laundry basket, okay, full of socks unfolded. And you would dump them in the floor. How many kinds of browns are there, you know? And we would try to fold these socks on a Sunday and would take three hours. So we'd have a pile of stripes. The white, I usually took the easy ones I could see and try to match. This is true that we did. And we had so many socks. And my dad said, I never want my kids not to have socks or holes in their socks. So, but you know what? How many of you know there's some things, the difficult things you go through in life make you stronger? And think, remember that which comes to your children. It's hard. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first step in line, like, oh. But if my kids call me and they say, Dad, I got some issue with this, with the car or whatever, or some situation, and I know I can fix it or I can deal with that or I have the means to do that, and I say, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. The next time I see you, I'll do this, 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 and this. Immediately, they think, they have confidence in that. They have assurance, right? They're not wondering, like, well, Dad said, and he's not going. Now, I might not get to it right away. Amen. <laughs> But they have confidence. They know that what dad said is going to come to pass, even though I don't see him doing anything right now. Come on, somebody shout amen. So you got to sit on that, even though you see nothing happening, nothing happening. All right, so just a few more minutes here. This is what I want to get into. Deuteronomy 32.10. Deuteronomy 32.10. And we're going to just kind of, uh, kind of end with this here, develop this a little bit. Moses is, is, is in the wilderness, and God is speaking to him. And it's actually a song of Moses, this chapter. And it says this, it says in verse 10, he said, He found him, Israel, in a desert land, in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him. He's going to be talking about eagles. He cared for him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. He's talking about the, 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 the hand of the Lord. You know, aren't you thankful that in your wilderness, God encircled you? Come on, we all go through wilderness times. That God, that, that he instructed you, that he kept you. He held it together for you when you felt you were losing it on all ends. 
you were about to maybe have a breakdown, and the Bible says that promise right there said, God, he keeps encircling you. He watches over you. Like an eagle, he struck and instructs you, and he kept them, and he's keeping you as the apple of his eye. Isn't that comforting to know that you don't have to keep yourself, that God is there warring, fighting for you? That's, that's good. That's good. Now, notice verses 11 through 13. The Bible says, as an eagle stirs up a nest. So Moses is watching this, and he sees this, and hovers over its young. He spread his wings to catch them. He carried them, kept them from falling. The Lord alone led him. No foreign god was with him. He made him ride in the heights of the earth that he might eat the produce of the fields. He made him draw honey from the rock, 32, verses 11 through 13. Notice there's a stirring, and then there's a new level of blessing, and Lord willing, we'll get into that. And so Moses, he writes this text as a sermon to his congregation. Now, I'm just going to jump to a, uh, jump with me to Job chapter 29, and we'll, Lord willing, develop more of this uh, next week, but there's a point I want to make, and this was, a, I'll just talk about this quickly here. How, oh, how I long for the months gone by. So now Job is in his suffering. He's in the, what's they figure, between nine months to a year, he went through his major suffering and lost everything. He says, oh, how long for the months gone by. For the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone on my head, and by his light I walked through darkness. Oh, for the days when I was in my prime, when God's intimate friendship blessed my house, when the Almighty was still with me, and you see, he didn't know that God was still with him. He felt he was forsaken. And my children were around me. They all were killed. And it says, when my steps were like butter, everything was easy. I thought that was an interesting statement there. In other words, Job saying, everything I touched turned to gold. I remember the time. I just, I just remember that time. I made so much money. Man, some of you, oh, I remember this time, made so much money in the past, and things were so good. Well, sales were so great, and things were happening, making money hand over fist, and my family was around me, and my kids, and he had this wealth and with him, and now, now he lost everything, it seemed, and cattle was destroyed, and he said, at that time, I was in my prime. He said, the favor of God shined in me like a light. And he said, my steps were like butter. One translation actually, actually says this, like heavy cream. I knew heavy cream was in the Bible for coffee. I just knew it was. Got to have heavy cream for coffee. He said, I just eased into everything. Everything was just, come on, do you remember time in that in your life? When things just seemed like they worked out and all of that. He said, I eased into everything. Everything was great. Sales was great. Money was rolling in. There was no struggle. Everything I touched prospered. And then he says this statement. I think this is interesting. He said, then I said, I will die in my nest. I'm going to die in my nest. I'm, in other words, I'm just going to stay here, and I'm just going to chill in all of God's blessing from my life. I mean, there was a time I had nothing, and I persevered. I prayed. I was hungry. I went to church. I, you know, I, I paid my tithes. I, I was faithful. I was in desperate. I had nothing, and, and God blessed me, and things increased in my life, and, and I'm just going to chill right now to kick it back, enjoy everything. And God said, hmm, I heard that, Job. I heard that. You know, a nest is a snug place to rest and retreat to. It's a, a place to be born. It's why birds and other animals, they build nests. It's to have a safe, secure place for the babies to be born in. And nests are very important. And uh, I want to ask you this. What's your nest? What's your safe place? 
what's the place you go to? And Adam being condescending, I'm just, I mean, we all have it. I mean, I, I can think of some things that were nest, and sometimes the nest for me when I have time is the garage. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe clean up the garage and then think of, you know, working on something in there in the garage, tinkering. Come on now, for those of you men who like that. And some of you, your nest is, you know, you enjoy hunting or fishing or whatever. And these are like places that are safe, and these are places that you enjoy. Um, think back about when you were a child. Was there a place or a time or a season or aunt, uncle's house or a place you went or a cabin that you just remember and you go, I, I just remembered that time. I can, I can remember a time. My dad would, uh, we recently just went uh, in July uh, when he was alive uh, to the Bart Bake, our family, the Bartolomeo uh, Bake. And there was 75, 80 of relatives that came out. And so for years, Grandpa did this. He did this huge Bart bacon. And I can remember as a kid, always going, and I was frustrated about the three-and-a-half-hour ride from Boston all the way to Pine Plains. And, and then we got closer. It was usually, you know, exciting. We're getting there. And then we'd stay at Grandpa and Grandma's house. And then, you know, they had eight kids. So it was just a huge, you know, and so grandpa was like this icon. He was this, come from Italy, spoke Italian. I mean, he was just this, built the first gas station in Pine Plains, Exo. It was, later became an Exxon. Built it with his hands, laid block. That's why he had all those kids do the work. I mean, <laughs> you, you're going to be an electrician. You, you're doing masonry. I mean, they just don't cut. That's just how it was. Have more kids, more work to get done. Amen. You know, America right now, the statistics are having less and less children. That's a shame. Oh, we don't want to, we don't want to take away from the earth. My God, everywhere I look up here, there's land. There's plenty of room on this planet. Forget overpopulation. It's just nutty. When I fly in the planet, look, there's nothing out there. There's plenty of room. Start, keep having kids, amen? Keep raising kids, raising them godly, having kids, Amen. <clears throat> Anyhow, moving right along, right off that. <laughs> we do a lot of baby dedications here, so they've taken it to heart. You know, what's your safe place? And so for me, you know, Grandpa, he had sheep. He had rolling hills. Of, there was a, you know, a kind of a mountain there in Pine Plains, a distinct mountain, and there was a part of the property that was adjacent to that, and then he would have chickens, and then he had, uh, he had his own little mini vineyard, and he had actually grapes up there, made his own wine, built his own wine cellar. I mean, I went down, had his own wine cellar. I mean, like, this guy was something else. You know, Grandpa built his, uh, you know, added onto his house, was all dilapidated, and had all those kids living in there, and and uh, I just thought, you know what, the good old days. So he builds his gas station, and I was so intrigued by the gas station because I just loved the, the activity was there, but they were just, they weren't organized uncles. They weren't neat. Grandpa was immaculate. I think I got that from him. If you walked into his bedroom, you could look at his bed. It was folded perfectly like military. Grandma was not that way, just to say. She saved every container, and so you had a counter that was four feet wide, Three and a half or t three foot ten inches was the only full of stuff, and Grandpa's like, w w "Why do you have this container? The birds might need it, you know." And she saved everything, and was just, oh. and so I would get in there sometime when I was around, grab throwing this stuff away. Oh, who's doing my stuff away? It just just was life up there, but it was just a simple life. In the summer, the July heat, you know, it's kind of dry, it was nice. And I, I remember uh, there was a little machine that was there for Yahoo's. You know, I don't know if you remember that you can still get a Yahoo, you know, chocolate. It's a little, and they had the old machine and break it open. And it was like a quarter. And I used to drink it in the hot sun and just, I'd help them clean up the garage and sweep. And it was just a time and a memory was just a safe nest for me. 
How many hear what I'm saying? Safe places, a place that you can retreat to. And there's nothing wrong. And you know what? God creates that force. God wants to establish a safe place for you and I. Amen? And so a nest is a safe place until it's time to move out of the nest. I was going somewhere with this. Amen? Deuteronomy 32, one day Moses was out in the wilderness and he looks up in the cleft of the rock to a high tree and he sees a mother eagle. Now she's stirring up the nest. And certain eagles, they do certain things with nests, but this bald eagles, they stir up the nest and she sees the eaglets as they're being moved and shuffled around further and further to the edge of the scary place, to the edge of the nest. And it doesn't take long for these baby eaglets to grow to, 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 to you know, a mature size. It's like within two months. And so Moses begins to write this song, and this is actually a sermon to Israel. And he says, as, watch this, an eagle stirs up the nest so God will deal with Israel. I'm going to say that again. As an eagle stirs up the nest so God will deal with the Christians at Church for the Harvest. Amen. God will deal with his sons and daughters. You know what? God loves you so much to keep you in the nest. He wants you to get out of the nest. Amen. He wants you to grow. He wants you to develop. And, and so next week, Lord willing, I'm going to delve into this, but I just want to conclude with this, this point right here in verse 11 to 13. He said, he spread his wings to catch them. And he says he harnessed them and he kept them from falling. You know, I'll just share an illustration and we'll conclude. If you want to qualify, uh, the, the female eagle, she pictured me in a very interesting way. A very interesting way. If you want to qualify to be your mate as a male eagle, she's very picky. She's very picky, and there's a reason why. She's choosy about her mate. That's a great lesson to learn in there. And so she, she, what she does is she, you know, male eagles at the time of breeding, they're going to start flying around, buddying up to her like, ooh, you know, on the man, on the man. And she totally ignores them. She just ignores them, brushes them off. And she chooses her mate in a specific way. She, so she'll say, okay, if, if you want to be my, my, my mate, she goes through, a, she puts them through a series of tests. And one of the things she does, if you, if you uh, want to be her mate, she takes a stick and she flies to about 15,000 feet. That's a high up. She goes way, way up there with this, this little stick. And then she just drops the stick. And so he comes flying around, kind of chasing after her and you know, kind, of, kind of buddying up to her, thinking, hey, I'm the guy. And she won't have anything to do with him unless he goes after that stick. He's got to go after that stick. So she drops the stick and she waits to see what he does. And, and if he does nothing, she just flies away. And she goes, he ain't the one. Uh, that's a lesson for y'all ladies, okay? <laughs> see that in a moment. But if he goes, oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, oh, you, are, you want me to pick up that stick? Okay, right on. Boom, he takes off. Eagles can go up to 200 miles an hour. Straight down, Jettons picks that little stick up. Shh. Brings it all the way back to her and goes, I did it. Oh, yeah, I did it. And she's just, she's not impressed. Next round of test. You know, the next round. She goes down. Instead of 15,000 feet, she goes to 5,000 feet. This is what they do. And then she picks up a bigger stick. And 
you know, he's all soaring around and present. Yeah, I got that girl. I'm the man. And, and she looks at him, and he looks at her, and he goes, ah, oh, no, not again. She drops that bigger branch at a much lower level, and that branch is racing to the earth much faster. Now he has to even go faster to catch that stick. And if he does grab it in time, he, it, you know, he, it may pull him down. It's a bigger, it's a bigger stick, and, and, and you know, he's breaking sweat. He's tired, but he, if he catches that before it hits the ground, he begins to bring it back up. Finally, he goes, all right, I did it. I got the stick. And he thinks, okay, I finally impressed her. But then she goes down basically and picks up a small tree branch. And the female is larger than the male. She picks up this actually tree branch and she flies to about 500 feet. And then he comes up exhausted after that. I think he's looking at her. She's looking at him. He's like, no, come on. This can't be happening. You can't be serious. Look, he has with her. And then all of a sudden, she just goes, yep, and drops that limb. And that thing goes down, and he just takes off as fast as he can. And he just, it just all the strength he has, and grabs it, and he's flapping to keep it off the ground to lift up this heavy, actually, branch that's bigger than the last two. And you say, well, he pulls it up, and he passed the test. He passed the test, and you think about the question is, well, what's the lesson, Pastor Mike, what you're saying? What are we supposed to learn here today? What are you saying, Pastor Mike? He learns the lesson that all men learn, that it's impossible to please a woman. No, that's not the, no, 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 I mean, no, but this is it. Stand with me if you would, please. <laughs> I do have a point. <laughs> How many love me? Say amen. I got a point here. Amen? This is what I want to end with. Watch this. Watch this. This is it. This is the point. It's the mother eagle that stirs up the nest where the little eaglets are, but it's the father who watches, he circles around the nest. Why is she bringing him through these tests? Because here's why. She is testing him to know that when she stirs up that nest with her baby eaglets, those little eaglets, when she pushes them over the edge and they go tumbling down, falling, screaming, squawking, about to smash to the earth and die. She's testing this male to see if he has the potential as a father eagle, that he is powerful enough, that he is fast enough, that he is strong enough to not let them fall and ultimately be destroyed. That's what she's doing. I want you to hear something today, church. We have a loving father. Amen? We have a loving father. And he says this, the word of God, Psalm 37, 23, 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way. Though he falls, though he falls, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. What a tremendous promise. What a tremendous promise. The Amplified Bible says this, the steps of a good man or a good woman are directed and established by the Lord. He delights in his way. He busies himself with every step. Though he falls or though she falls, they will not be utterly cast down for the Lord grasps his hand in support and upholds them. My brothers and sisters, you're not going to be destroyed. We have a God that's for us, not against us. Amen? Two things, and I'll conclude with this. We need to be, two things I want to comment and we'll pray. We need your earthly fathers to be the dads called us to be. Can I get an amen? To be the men of God. The husbands, the providers, the spiritual protectors, their homes. Not legalists, amen? But leaders, caretakers, servants. 
one of the most famously decorated Marine and uh, the Marine Corps is Chesty Puller. He died in 1971. He was the most decorated Marine officer. And what was so admirable about him, even though he was, as an officer, he would stay right there with the troops. He would carry his own backpack. He would, you know, bring his own tent. He would, you know, usually they would serve officers different food. He, he ate what the troops ate. Come on now. He lived by an example. And that was such an honor to those Marines. And they felt this guy is someone worth following. Men, we need to be men of God worth following. And then the admonition also for ladies, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. But, you know, we need moms to be the woman of God they've called them to be. Leaders. It's the mother that stirs up the nest. It's the mother that kind of gets these little baby eaglets pushed over to the side because it's time for them to fly. See, they don't know they have wings. They don't recognize what these things are for, but they've never done it. But she knows there's something about a preserving effect of a mom. The Bible talks about it like salt. Salt, is, it, it, it adds, it preserves. Mothers that, that preserve the family. They have things that they implement in kids. They teach them. And thank God for the mothers today, amen? But you know, I found out there's something really interesting about when Jesus said to remember a certain woman. There's only one woman in the Bible, he says, for you to, rem- to, to, to take note of. I thought that's, that's, that's kind of interesting. Not Sarah, wife of Abraham, not Ruth, not Queen Esther, not even his own earthly mom, Mary. He talks about one woman. He says this, he said, remember Lot's wife. I find that interesting. Lot's wife. See, Lot was being rescued. The angels were coming down there. They pulled him out of Sodom and Gomorrah, and and she was reluctant, the Bible says, that, that she really didn't want to leave that old life. And Jesus said, remember what Lot's wife did. She ceased to be the preserving effect, and the Bible says she turned back, and what happened to her? She turned into a pillar of salt. She lost her saltiness. She lost her preserving effect because she looked back to the things of the world. She looked back to the things that, that God is delivering her from. She wasn't that preserving effect for what God wanted in her family. How many whispers say amen? Men and women, we need to be what God's called us to be. But we have a father. We have a father. And we will not be destroyed. Amen? We will not be destroyed. Every head bow, please. You're here this morning. Is it, Pastor, I... I'm not in right relationship with the Lord. I got things that are really heavy going on in my life. There's some serious things going on, but, but, but I'm not right with God. You may have family issues. You may have financial issues. You may have relationship issues. I don't know what it is, but you need to get right with God. The Bible says now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. So, well, what are you saying, Pastor? You choose to believe, to accept, to receive Christ, or you don't. Indecision is a decision. Walking out of here going, yeah, that was nice. It was all right. Yeah, it was good. And you make no decision. You've made a decision. Now is the time of salvation, the Bible says. Today is the day you have a choice to make. You either surrender your life. God's given you that authority. He will not encroach upon that, this whole life on earth. He will not force you. But if you make a decision, say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to surrender my life to you. I'm going to trust you. And I believe you died on that cross for me. Bible says you'll be saved. You'll come into right relationship. If that's you here this morning, the Spirit of God is speaking to you. I really believe He is. A number of people here this morning. 
I want to ask you to pray. You're not joining this church, but you are joining the family of God to get right with God. Now is the time to get right. Every head bowed. Let's pray together. Say this with me corporately. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. I give you my life. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want to invite the altar workers to come forward. If you made that decision here this morning and, and maybe you were backslid and you're just like, you know what? I, I'm sincerely, I got right with God. The Lord meant it. The Lord meant it if you meant it. He will speak to you. Your life will be changed from here on out. Doesn't mean you're not going to have difficulties or problems. Doesn't mean that you're not going to be faced with challenges. Doesn't mean that you're not going to have opposition. But the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. God has changed your spirit. He's come into your spirit, man or woman, right now. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.